Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, He said unto His disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill Him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Father, I ask that you would help us as we think about these very moving verses this morning in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want to speak this morning. You think about Matthew chapter 26, the first thought that comes to your mind is probably not missions. But I would challenge you with this. The, the whole Bible is a missionary book. <clears throat> it's, missions didn't start in Matthew 28 with the Great Commission or Acts 1-8. It started in the heart of God in the very beginning. But this passage to me is, is totally missions because here's my, here's my topic today. Love and missions. What makes, what makes you do what you do? Why would anybody surrender to be a pastor? Pastors get sometimes bruised, they get hurt, they get criticized. Now, they get a lot of great things as well. It's not all that, but it's not easy to be a pastor. Why would anyone want to do that? Why would any of you ladies want to marry a pastor, be a pastor's wife? Well, I came over this way a couple of weeks ago to help with a funeral. And as I started, I made two statements. One was... uh, one of the greatest challenges in ministry is people. Y'all have to think about that a moment. But one of the greatest joys of ministry is people. And we, God has to work on us and develop some patience in us. But these verses that I just read to you this morning, I've read them over and over I told you I've been preaching for 56 years. I think I can say I have not neglected the reading of my Bible ever since I surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Read it every day. Linda and I, we we carry a bag of Bibles everywhere we go. Read them in several different languages because we love it. We can't get enough of it. You see, this thing of living for Christ and serving God, it has to do with do you really love Him? When you read these verses that I read this morning, 
you almost want to take your shoes off. You want to walk softly because these, Matthew chapter 26 and 27, some of the most moving chapters in all the Bible because you're going to read about the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal of Christ, the, the trial, the cross, and the grave. And in my own Christian life, if I ever get cold-hearted and, and I'm just not where I should be living for the Lord, the thing that will help me is to come back to, this, to these verses and read the story of the cross again. And here in this passage, getting ready for those events coming up, it says that when Jesus had finished all these sayings, there were only a few days left of His ministry here on this earth. He had clearly told the disciples, Man, we're going to Jerusalem, and when we get there, I'm going to be crucified. Now, they didn't want to hear that. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. Even after He came back to life, they were still trying to figure out. Now, it's easy for us to judge those disciples, but if you've been walking with Jesus Christ for three or four years, and listening to him and seeing him do the miracles he did, you wouldn't want him to die either. And that's where we're at in this story today. Uh, and the Jewish leaders, the religious crowd, they were plotting to do that very thing Jesus had predicted, that is to kill him. <clears throat> my, my thoughts will come from the story of this woman, Mary, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, in just a moment. But before we get to that, you have to get the picture. In a house, it tells us about the house of Simon the leper. There was a meeting that day. There were several people there. Uh, there were at least 17 people because Jesus and the disciples and Simon and Lazarus and Mary and Martha, probably many more than that, but they were meeting there that day. It's an interesting group of people. Lazarus was sitting in that group today, and he had just, a few days before that, he had died. And Jesus brought him back to life. <clears throat> Simon the leper. I'm sure he was healed if Jesus was meeting with him. Martha was there. Now, most of us, okay, how many of you have heard a Baptist preacher ever take some pretty good swings at this lady, Martha? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Mary was sitting at his feet. Martha, she was in the kitchen cooking. But the way Linda and I travel and in different churches every week, I thank God for ladies in Baptist churches that are in the kitchen cooking for the preacher. But... Uh, Martha gets, we, we criticize. Can I just put a little parenthesis there? Sometimes we preachers criticize ladies, but we wouldn't have much ministries in our churches if we didn't have godly ladies. So there was a group of people meeting there that day, and that's, that's the story I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But watch, the Bible, the Bible for me is just one of the most amazing things anywhere. It, every time you read it, it'll move your heart. And before you get to this beautiful little picture of this woman who loved Jesus so much, she was going to give him the greatest gift she had. Before that happened, on both sides of it, the first five verses, you have a picture of fear and jealousy and hatred because religion hates Christ. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. Linda and I have had the privilege. We think back with... Country bumpkins that we grew up, poor. I didn't have plumbing in the house until I was 14 years old. And we think back about little country kids that God saved us and then called us. And the moment, when I surrendered to preach His gospel, it changed my whole life. 
God called us to Africa. We went to Africa. We thought we'd live and die there. And God has His ways of changing. Don't get too comfortable because He has ways of changing us sometimes. And after 20 years there, we got caught up in fighting and had to leave. And I never thought I'd be pastor in America. But it was my own sending church and they saw God in that and eventually I did and, and I stayed and then I started teaching up here and I had some great things God was having to teach me during those years and then Dr. Don says gets me in trouble all the time. Brother Godfrey, would you pray about coming back with Beamine serving as our Far East field director? And the Far East is not far out. It is far out too, but Far East, that's China, Mongolia, Korea, Japan, Philippines, Guam, Saipan, that whole part of the world. And I told Dr. Sis, Dr. Sis, you're my friend, but why would you ask me to go to that part of the world? I'm an African. We speak French, Wolof, and Kikongo, and you want me to go where they speak Japanese and Chinese? And I didn't get that. But God was in it, and we went, and God had other things to teach me. But it what we found everywhere we have gone is that religion hates Christ. Right here in this area, it's hard for you to lead a lot of people to Christ because you can't get them over their religion. So that's what you see in the first five verses. Verses 14, and 14 15, and 16, it's almost worse. I read that verse. Then one of the twelve, that is one of the twelve disciples, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the priest. And I read these words, and every time it almost shocks me, and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And here you see treachery and bargain driving, but watch it. Right in the middle of all these terrible things, fear and religion and treachery, right in the middle, God puts one of the most beautiful pictures in all the Bible. In that group, there was a large group of people in that house that day, but there were three people doing business with God. Three key people, Mary, Judas, and Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be captured. I'm going to be crucified. The disciples did not want to hear that. They didn't understand it. But there were two people in that group that did understand it. One of them, a lady, can I just part there a moment again? Sometimes God will speak to the tender heart of a lady and she'll see things that some of us men never see. And for Mary understood and believed what Jesus said that he was going to be crucified. And her thought was, if he's going to die, he's not going to die until I show him how much I love him. The opposite of that was Judas who said, I'm going to help him do it. Sell him out. And uh, she's going to go with him to a love. Now think about the contrast between these two people. One was a woman, the other a man. One was a friend, the other was a foe. One of them said, what can I do for Jesus? Now if you want to be happy in your Christian life, that's the question asked. What can I do for Christ? Not what can I get out of it? What position am I going to get? I want to be the senior pastor. Some guys graduate Bible college. They want to be senior pastor next week. 
What can I do for Jesus? Mary said. The other one said, What can Jesus do for me? That's the problem I see with modern day religious climate right now. People want to, I'll come to your church if you'll take care of me. If you have a fully equipped gymnasium and if you have great meals and you have things for my children and not that any of those things are bad, but what can I get out of it? Self-centered. One of them has a heart of sacrifice, the other of selfishness. Here was, here was this lady whose heart was so tender, whose heart was so full of love that she, she brought her alabaster box full of this precious perfume or ointment. And the Bible tells us in another passage in the, in the Gospels that it costs 300 pence. Now, we don't deal with pence today. We deal with dollars and pesos and yen and all of that. But a pence, if if you've read your Gospels, you know that the average worker worked all day long for a pence. Think about that. Her gift that she was going to give to Christ would have cost her 300 days of labor. You take off the holidays and the weekends, that's close to a year's worth of labor in this gift that she's going to give to Christ. But Judah sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. So my sermon, my thoughts today are not about uh, Judas. This is uh, Valentine's Day, and I want to talk about love. However, watch the difference again between these two. Judas says, what can I get out of Jesus? Lust always wants to get. Lust is about a lot more than immorality. It's a philosophy of life. It's an outlook. What can I get out of it? Uh, Judas was the one who carried the bag. How many of you think that Judas was concerned about poor people? This passage said the disciples had indignation. Uh, In one of the parallel passages, Judas started that conversation. Why why are we going to waste this money? We could give it to the poor. Judas wasn't concerned about the poor. He was concerned about Judas. When you get around a person like that, that all they can see is, what, what am I going to get out of this? Here's what you'll find. Judas, in his terrible selfishness, could look at what Mary did and extract poison from Mary's flask of perfume. The world looks at us and they think, what are you doing at a Christian college? What are, you, what are you talking about serving Christ with your life, going to the mission field, becoming a preacher, Christian school teacher, teacher whatever it may be? And they, can, they will extract poison from your desire to serve Christ. Some of your worst foes are people in your own family sometimes. I've been a missionary. We've been missionaries. I've been a mission leader for a long time. I probably shouldn't even make this statement. Don't get mad at me. But you know one of the biggest things that keep young people off the mission field today is mom and dad don't want them to go. Build a house across the street. Stay here. The the need's just as great. Look, need does not constitute a call. Because if it did, we'd want to go everywhere. But I want you to notice today In this story, from one single action done by a sinful woman, 
Jesus gives us a wealth of meaning. This Mary, now there, there are a lot of Marys in the, in, the, in the New Testament. You've got Mary, the mother of Christ, and Mary Magdalene, but this Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, you see her three times in the Gospels. So I'm at Ambassador Baptist College, and you all are diligent students, right? Every time you see this Mary, she's in the same location. Tell me, tell me where she was at. Every time you see her, she's at his feet. One time Jesus had stayed in their home. Can you just imagine what it would be like to have Jesus be a guest in your house? And Martha was in the kitchen and cooking, but Mary was sitting at his feet. The second time, John chapter 11, their brother had died, and Jesus, for his own purposes and for the glory of God, waited four days. And Martha came out and talked with him, but again, you'll see Mary falling at his feet. And here, the last time, in Matthew chapter 26, you see this, this sweet lady coming in. Now, I'm heading somewhere with this. Watch. If lust always wants, what can I get out of it? What do you give me? Love is just the opposite. Love says, what can I give to Jesus? What can I do to show my love to Him? It's not how much do I have to give by the way, this is free and it's not part of my sermon exactly. But you know, the last three years with the whole thing of COVID and all this, did you know that the giving of churches to missionaries has been the highest, the greatest it's ever been since I've been working and around it? The last three years, we've broken every record we have at BIMI from churches giving to missionaries. 2022, we broke, the last three years, we broke our record every year. January, this January that just finished, the giving of churches going around the world to our missionaries was $4.5 million one month. Now that's free. It's not part of my sermon except it illustrates what I'm trying to tell you. When you really love someone or something, it's not how much do I have to give? It's Lord, would it be all right if I give a little more? Lord, would it be all right if I sacrificed? For me, Mary speaks to us of the extravagance of love. If you think, just a moment, where did that alabaster box come from? I can almost see her walking into her, in her bedroom and reaching up on the shelf and pulling down this very expensive probably the most, the greatest thing she had, pulling it off that shelf thinking, he's going to die. He's not going to die until I show him how much I love him, until I anoint his body for burial. And she understands more than the others. And her thought was, I'm going to give him the best that I have. Love, real love, never asks how much do I have to do. Love is it's a lot more about service than it is sentiment. 
How many times do we say things like this? They fell in love. Can I tell you that there are some things you can fall into, but love is not one of them? When the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave, it wasn't because we were so lovely He couldn't do any different. In fact, it's just the opposite. We were so filthy, we're amazed. Why would He love me and why would He love you? But God loves. It's serving, it's giving, it's not just feelings. Do you always, now don't raise your hand or anything, but do you always feel loving? Linda and I, I just finished a conference Sunday night at a church in St. Cloud, Florida. So we got up yesterday morning. We got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We left Florida at 5 o'clock in the morning. And we were coming up I-95 and up Interstate 26. And they were wrecks and they were slowdowns and we were trying to get here. And it was 11 hours before we got here. And by the time we got here and got into our room, I'm just going to be honest with you, we did not feel too loving. Because love is a lot more than just feelings. You, you love when, you, when you're sick. You love when you're tired. And love when, you, love when it has given to the uttermost limit still feels like the gift's too small. I've given my wife gifts many times when it was uh, uh, Valentine's Day or her birthday or anniversary or some special occasion, Christmas. And you men, you know what I'm talking about. You give your wife a gift and, and about the time you pass it over to her, you realize, man, there's no way in the world that gift shows how much I love her. Because when you, when you really love somebody... You can't wait to give them something. You can't wait to tell them, I love you. And not only tell them that, but show them that. Way back in years past, China Inland Mission, all of you have heard about Hudson Taylor and China Inland Mission. And he was from England, and a lot of their missionaries were from that part of the world. However, he spent a good bit of time crossing the northern, northeastern part of the United States and talking about China and there was a young lady named Susie Parker. God had touched her heart about being a missionary in China. And she had surrendered to go. And they were having the going away service in her church up in the Northeast before she was going to leave, cross the country, get in a ship, and go to China. There was a big crowd there. A lot of her friends, her parents were there. Her pastor was there. Her mother had already gone to heaven, but her father was in that service and the pastor there said to her father, Sir, would you come up? Do you have anything you would like to say today? And her father came to the front and he said, uh, Folk, I, I'm a farmer. I'm not a speaker. I'm not a preacher. I can't really talk. But all I want to say is, nothing I have is too precious for my Jesus. And he gave the most precious thing that he had, his own daughter. That was before the days of jet planes and fast transportation, but Susie Parker and some others crossed America and entered into a ship headed to China, and some time had gone by, some weeks and maybe even months, and 
<clears throat> a group of them entered into the ship, and the ship took off, and it got over in the northern Pacific, and there was a storm, and that ship ne- the ship never made it to China. It sank several weeks after that, back in the same church, a lot of the same people, people that love Susie Parker, they were meeting not for her going away to the mission field, but for her funeral. And when it was over, the pastor said, is there anyone else who has something they would like to say? And Susie Parker's father stood up and said, all I want to say is what I said before she went. Nothing I have is too precious for my Jesus. When you really love someone, it's easy to do things for them. You're not looking at someone else, or you're certainly not looking at the Lord thinking, what can I get out of it? Have you ever watched two lovers try to say goodnight? I don't mean goodnight, not that kind. (laughs) Back in the years past, Linda and I spent 16 years up in the Sahara working with Muslims, um, and we were asked to pray about going to a different country, and we did, and we ended up right out in the middle of the Congo, in Zaire back then, in the jungle, hundreds of miles from electricity and anything much, except we had snakes and crocodiles and hippo and all that good stuff. But uh, fighting started. 10,000 foreigners fled the country. <clears throat> and I got my, Linda and my three younger kids, Benita and Lydia and our, our, Robert, our youngest, they were all there. And so I called them in. I said, look, it is dangerous. Y'all go back to America and... These people have been praying for 30 years for the missionaries to come back. I, I just don't think I can leave. Y'all go back and I'll stay when it settles down. And, and Linda and those three kids looked at me and said, if God wants you here, God wants us here. Are you listening to me this morning when you really love somebody? It's not something you have to do. It's something that you you want to do, that you love to do. Now, I'm, I'm wrapping up my sermon, but I want to give you another thought. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed this, however, that the real lovers of Jesus are very often misunderstood? Why this waste of... Look, nothing you give to Jesus in love is ever wasted. Three times you see this lady, Mary, at his feet. I'm not going to read those passages, but I challenge you to go back. And every time she's at his feet, someone is misunderstanding her. And the first time it was her own sister. Now, again, don't raise your hands, but how many of you, you're here at Ambassador Baptist College, but you've got brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and maybe moms and dads. They don't understand at all what you're doing. Some of you from homes, they're glad you're here, but not everybody. And this lady was misunderstood. Look, when you sell out to serve Jesus, you can be misunderstood. My mother's in heaven now, but she never tried to keep us from going to the mission field. But she worried about us. You're going to go out to Africa? and You know, the people think Tarzan's still swinging through the vines in the jungle. And uh, so for 20 years, we lived in Africa. We had children born there. We loved it. 
but our, my mother and others, they just thought we had lost our minds. And in 1993, we got chased out of the Congo and came back here, and I became pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Landon, South Carolina. That was the happiest day of my mother's life. <laughs> and for nine years, I was pastor, and my mother liked it. And then I was asked, would you pray about coming back with BMI and going back to the mission field? And so we prayed about it and struggled with it. But one Sunday, the hardest thing I ever did in my life was stand in my church and resign. But I wasn't going to tell my mama. But I forgot to tell Linda. And she told my mama... And my mother said, I'm going to kick him in the... (laughs) Now look, you're going to have people, you're going to have people out there say, why would you do that? Why would you give your life to go to a Christian college? Why would you become a pastor, pastor's wife, a missionary? Why would you take your family to the other side of the world? We want to say, because we love Jesus. And I'll repeat what I've already said. Young people, nothing you give to Jesus in love is ever wasted. Betty Stam, how many of you know that name? If you're a missions major and mission teacher, you know the names. Betty Stam, Johnny Betty Stam, were martyred by the communists in China back in the 40s. And if you haven't read that story, you ought to read it. And I love, if no other reason, the little story of their life. Betty Stam wrote some beautiful poetry. And this is my final, this is my conclusion this morning. Betty Stam wrote a little three stanza poem about this story that I've talked about this morning. <clears throat> and she called it Spikner, very precious. She said it much better than I could. She said, in Simon's house in Bethany, the master sat at meat. Purity and strength and pity shone upon his wondrous face. And the hearts of all were burning at his words of heavenly grace when a woman came and poured her precious ointment on his feet. Fragrance as of Easter gardens sweetly lingered in the air and the box that held the perfume, alabaster, exquisite, shattered lay upon the floor and a rainbow curving in each bit as a woman kneeling, weeping, wiped his feet upon her hair. Then to disapproving murmurs the assembled guests gave vent, for the world cannot endure the wasting of a precious thing when it is a gift of utter consecration to the king, but a woman, loving greatly, kissed his feet and found content. Do you want to be contented? Love Jesus Christ with all your heart. You'll never regret that. Missions and love, what what do the two have together? If you don't understand that we do what we do, not because of who we are, what we're going to get out of it, but because of who He is and what He's going to do when we obey Him. Dear Lord, help us to serve You with all of our heart and all of our love. In Jesus' name.